Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast, brought to you by GoSeed. I'm McCain Vogel, Assistant Editor at Cover Crop Strategies. In this episode, listen to a presentation from the 2022 National Cover Crop Summit featuring South Dakota father and son farmer duo, Barry and Eli Little. You'll hear them explain how their 2,500 acres of cropland and pasture land have improved by incorporating covers and livestock. I am Eli Little, and this is my dad, Barry Little. And Hello. Uh, we're we're going to talk about uh, our journey with, with cover crops and uh, what we've done in about the last 10 years and, and, and show you some numbers and hopefully uh, we can all learn something. So we call ourselves the Blue River Ranch um, unofficially. That is the Barry Little Sioux River Ranch. And we are located in Castlewood, South Dakota, kind of in the northeast, eastern uh, part of the state. Our elevation is 1,700 feet. Compare that to the average elevation of Iowa of 1,100 feet. Uh, so that uh, influences our climate. Uh, average rainfall is, uh, is less than 24 inches a year. Uh, annually, our average temperature high is 54, our average low is 31. Um, just want point out on that map that there's that, it says Coteau de Prairies. Uh, the Coteau Plateau is what we sit up on top of and, and that has uh, a lot to do with our climate. Um, so from, from Castlewood, Barry and I are located just Northwest. In Barry's experience, the latest frost he's seen is uh, June 12th and the um, earliest frost he's ever seen was August 10th. Not in the same year. That would be that would that would not be <laughs> fair. But that is uh, that is our context uh, is a cooler climate. So uh, what do we what do we use? What do we do with that? So it is easier on livestock. Deep freeze helps break up compaction. We don't have bugs year round uh, and we can we, we, we can use the freezing to uh, kill plant species cover crop species or, or weed species um, uh, we do have a shorter growing season um, not just time between uh, frosts but the time in between is cooler uh, so and our Soil uh, is usually colder in the spring, uh, leads a lot of guys to doing a lot of tillage in our area. And um, we don't usually plant more than a 95 day corn and, and early bean varieties as well. And because of all this as well, we have a shorter grazing season and, and that's where cover crops really come into play. In, in a normal year, we don't see uh, hardly any days over 90 degrees. Um, so. We don't deal with the ex excessive um, heat stress. Another con of having cooler climate <laughs> is we deal with a lot of snow in typical year. We've been fortunate the last few years, but uh, we will we will get it one of these years. So just a little farm overview: we grow corn, soybeans, spring wheat, winter wheat, oats. Um, started doing cover crops in 2009. 
our usual rotation and we don't have a we don't have a set in stone rotation we are um, flexible and all of that but about 40 percent of our crops are corn 35 percent soybean and 25 percent small grain and with our our corn we we strip till and uh, we'll do variable rate fertilizer and uh, seeding so on the livestock side uh, we have cow-calf pears, yearlings, do custom grazing. We also have sheep, hogs, chickens uh, that for eggs and for meat. We're currently going to calve out 250 red cows this spring between the end of April and the 1st of July, and we're going to run about 60 yearlings on grass during the summer. Uh, our custom grazing operation varies from um, we have some herds that we keep year-round and calve out for the owners, and we have some herds that come in for part of the year as dry cows for us to custom graze, because what we charge is cheaper than buying hay and feeding. We got started with cover crops in 2009. Uh, we followed followed spring wheat. Um, we had a spinner. And then we worked it in with a vertical tillage machine, just turnips, radishes, and oats. And then we let the cows out on this 50-acre field. So that first year, um, we had such fantastic luck that we thought we had found the answer to running out of feed at the end of the year. Um, the, the cover crop, which was a lot of volunteer wheat, grew up to waist high, and we turned out a herd of 150 cows. The first thing they did was eat all the spring wheat. Then they went to the field next door, which was corn stalks, and they grazed corn stalks for a while. And then they came back and ate all of the turnip and radish tops. Then they went back to the cornfield and grazed there again. And finally, they came back and they ate all the turnips and radishes that they had pulled out and laid on top of the ground. So when people talk about their experience with grazing cover crops, it depends on what the cow is hungry for at the time, what they're going to eat. And in the end, they cleaned everything up really well. But left nothing on the yes. field. So uh, we found out through the next four years that um, you, need, you need a little bit of moisture. Uh, so we, we continued following uh, spring wheat with, with uh, cover crops, but we were still in the mindset that we needed to remove the straw and that we needed to uh, run our, our sulfur over our wheat ground. We didn't think we could get cover crop to grow up through where there were uh, windrows of straw. Um, and we, we didn't have a lot of species and we didn't um, get a lot of germination in those years. Um, and, but we were mainly doing it for our, to cover our, uh, our conservation stewardship program um, that was kind of, uh, well, we do it to get paid from the government. And if we get grazing out of it, that's a bonus. And, and our, our, that was our, our mindset back then and it's changed now. So, um, in 2014 through 2016, we did a, a full season cover crop trial. Um, you know, planning after spring, wheat wasn't working. So we thought, why, why don't we just try some full season and we'll get into that later. Um, and then we had some uh, hail in 17 that uh, we'll get into as well. And um, since 2018, we've been uh, more 
focused on getting uh, on growing that cover crop and uh, we'll get into that. So uh, just a little cattle history here. Um, Barry and his brother had cows for probably 30 years at least at least and um, in a set stock grazing uh, you know you, you put them in there till they run out and then you find a different place for them. So after 2008 we started looking at rotational grazing. We didn't really know what we were getting into. Uh, we had a custom herd that they all they wanted different herds and we had I think four different groups and they, they wanted the, each group of cows to be bred by a different bull so they wanted to keep separated so they could keep track for they were a, it was a registered Angus herd and they wanted to keep track of sires so it it wasn't ideal because uh, we you know we had to keep our our herd and our custom herd separate and that's it's not ideal for cut for uh, rotational grazing um and so in four, in 2014 we we started fencing a lot of, of cropland and, and started focusing on uh, extending our grazing, um, knowing how much we can, we could save by just having, keeping the cows out on the land. And then uh, in 2018, we finally were able to convince some customers to allow us to put all the cattle together. Um, and we have a more holistic approach to uh, our grazing management of, of making a plan to to have the cattle out on on the land year round and, and there there's a lot of savings with that uh so in 2014 when we when our mindset changed because we started hearing about soil health uh i believe barry heard from gabe brown up in bismarck yeah gabe brown's well known in the regenerative ag circles uh He's like our guru on this stuff. And, um, we heard him first in 2014, and he started talking about soil health, and he started talking about regenerative ag. And one of the things he said was for each 1% increase in organic matter, you add a one inch to the water holding capacity of your soil. And the biggest concern for most of my life has been a lack of moisture from making yield and it sounded like it was something we should study. Um, I don't think we, we, we know we didn't fully understand what soil health meant, but we wanted to, uh, to try it out. But ever since about 2018 and the more uh, people we listened to, uh, we knew it, it needed to be the main focus on our farm. Um, and we needed to make regenerative agriculture our, our, our ultimate goal. So, uh, so this is where we started our journey in soil health. Uh, we went all in on a, on a full season, full season cover crop on a, on a 50 acre field that was, it had low spots and, and, and sandy spots. And we just, we wanted to see what we could do with it. Um, so we planted turnips, radishes, uh, some clovers, uh, forage, sorghum, flax, sunflowers, millet, oats. So this was our plan. Um, We'd start in that that corner with the uh, we had a sand pit there that that holds water, and and we'd let the cows graze there until they were done, and then and move them south, and then and then let them to the west there, and move them south, and and uh, uh, that that was what we were going to go with. Um, so in late August of fourteen, we 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 implemented our plan. Um, 
we let the cows out to the, their paddocks and let them destroy everything. Uh, Jim Garish is a well-known uh, cattle researcher, um, cover crop guy. And one of the things that he made us repeat at a seminar he put on is, I will not be afraid to waste grass. And content, uh, conventional thinking says that that picture there on the left of that waist high feed would make an awful lot of tons of silage or round bales of hay. And you would get a lot more feed out of it if you took it off the land instead of letting the cattle graze it. That's conventional thinking. Our thinking is we're better off to let the cattle out in it, let them eat a third to half of it, trample the rest into the ground to improve our soil health. So this is what it looked like after they grazed it in, in 14. And you can't you can't see the ground on that, and that that's you know, ground cover is one of the main uh, one of the principles of soil health. Uh, so we were covering that. Um, so then we didn't we didn't do anything with it until the spring the next spring, uh, and this is where the clover started growing back. We went in and planted oats, peas, and, and barley, and um, obviously this was all no till, no tillage involved. We ended up putting up 20 acres of it for for silage, but um, the local beekeepers would drove by and noticed all of the flowering plants and asked if they could uh, put some bees on our place, and they've been bringing them ever since. And then we went with another cover crop mix. I think it another turnips, radishes, oats, and and. Uh, forage sorghum, just a few species uh, after that. And that was then grazed in the, in February of 2016. So then we decided to, to do some tests with strip tilling. Um, we had a, a full, full recommendation for 200 bushel an acre corn was a 500 pound an acre rate of, of PKS and, and nitrogen urea. So results, the 500 pound an acre, we got 197 bushel an acre. And the 225 on the west side of that, it averaged 203. The zero rate, we averaged 142. And the, the half rate continuing east there went 184. So what have we learned? Okay, so we're, we're using land costs at $200 an acre. Um, that's what my my mortgage payment was, so that's what we used in all these examples. So in 2014, other than land costs, we had uh, seed costs for the cover crop and one trip with a no-till drill and $10 an acre, extra labor to set up and take down the temporary fences. And <clears throat> based on the number of days that we grazed there and the number of cows we had, we estimated that we took 5,000 pounds an acre off that land and we use an, a figure of 40 pounds per cow calf pair per day just as an estimate of what a, a cow the size we have will consume and the dollar 60 is what our uh, custom grazing rate is for people that hire us so we we've got a, a return a cash return to the full season cover crop of a minus $55 an acre in 2014. But that doesn't calculate any of the changes that we've made in our soil. 
So then the next year, um, same land costs, seed costs are 50 because we seeded it twice and equipment's twice because we seeded it twice and labor's half because everything was set up from the previous year for grazing. So our total expenses were 285 an acre. And that year, as we said, we grazed it twice. We grazed it once when it was uh, five feet tall and then we grazed it again the following February. Um, everything was frozen, but there was still a lot of feed out there. But we figured we got 10,000 pounds of feed per acre. And with our calculation, that's $400 in value. So a net return of $115 an acre for a cover crop with, uh, as compared to planting a grain crop. So over the two years, uh, we averaged $30, $30 an acre. So let's go to the corn. So in 2016, we, we planted that field to corn. And the line at the bottom says average fertilizer, $65 an acre, comes to $500 an acre total expenses. And the average yield on that field was 181. Um, so that gives us an average profit of $151 an acre. But if, but if we look at the individual test results. Um, where we use the full fertilizer, it costs $130 an acre. We had a pretty good yield, but the profit was lower because the fertilizer cost did not pay, or the yield increase did not pay for the extra fertilizer. The part of the field where we put on the half rate of fertilizer um, yielded really good for uh, cutting the rate back, uh, pretty good profit on it. The three-year profit was uh, really nice. The zero um, pounds of fertilizer went 142, and the profit was much lower there, indicating that even though we're down our soil health journey, we haven't reached the point where we don't need fertilizer. Uh, the interesting one for me is the 225 pound rate, which was the part of the field where we had removed all of the biomass from the first cover crop. We had windrowed it and chopped it for silage. Um, even though we had done that, we, through the grazing for two seasons of cover crops, we had increased the soil health enough that that test was the highest profit one uh, out of the four. So just getting into our results here. Um, so our average profit was, was $71 an acre. Um, potential was 95 an acre. And uh, there was more potential out there. I, I, we know now that we could have gotten more out of our grazing. I know we, we, we looked at that don't waste grass uh, quote but uh, I, we, we do a lot more efficient grazing now and we'll, and we'll get into that too. Um, so what do we have for, for obstacles? Uh, that's the cows got out into the corn in 16 when we, when we did our, our, uh, our tests. Um, you know, they thought it was still their pasture. So inexperience with, with this whole testing, um, 
we only, we probably could have got more out of it. But what else did we do for the field? Um, you know, we're 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 down our soil health journey. Uh, we're we're improving organic matter, water holding capacity, and available nutrients. And those are are things that um, as as the years go by. So so back in 2016, I did some research on the internet and found values for cow manure and urine and calculated that for each ton of dry matter that a cow herd eats off of a field, you get $20 worth of fertilizer spread across the top of it. And that was with fertilizer prices in 2016. So I think in today's dollars, we would at least double that. So... (laughs) 2017, uh, we had a heck of a hailstorm come through. Uh, it wiped out uh, about a thousand acres of Barry and its brothers' uh, cropland, um, corn and beans. So the bottom field there is a, is is berries. Uh, we call it the middle field. And uh, kitty corner from that to the north is a field of his brothers. And those were both corn and 17, uh, and they both got zeroed out. Um, with hail. So here's what we did. Uh, so like I said, both field, this, this, both fields were strip tilled, planted to corn, sprayed and side dressed. So basically the same costs um, put into them as far as that goes. And then they got hailed out and, and Barry decided we're going to plant full season cover crop. Uh, we did turnips, radishes, oats, sorghum, sedan grass, millet, and then we grazed it. Uh, that winter. Uh, His brother decided to plant millet as a lot of people just thought that was the thing to do. Um, And then he cut rake, failed, and hauled it. So this is our comparison. Um, So here's what we did with that grazing. Um, We windrowed about 90% of the 65 acre field and uh, and we bailed up along the trees where we assumed there was going to be a lot of snow. And, and so we left a little bit standing just to see how, how it compared. Um, when we started grazing it, we gave them three to five days of grazing. Uh, we roll out the bales that were in their next paddock. Um, we moved a temporary fence uh, by drilling holes and putting our little posts in. Uh, the idea that Barry found on, on the internet, but we figured we took uh, about a ton an acre off of, uh, of, of crazy. We'll come back to the show in a moment, but first I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Go Seed. Plant Go Seeds Fixation Bonanza Clover and save up to $37 per acre in fertilizer input costs. At a trial conducted at the Ewing Demonstration Center in Illinois, Fixation Bonanza Clover fixed nearly double the nitrogen per acre over Dixie Crimson Clover. Fixation Bonanza Clover is the cover crop to improve your soil health, increase cash crop yields, and make a positive impact on the planet. Visit www.fixationclover.com to learn why Go Seed is the industry leader in cover crop breeding and research. And now, Let's get back to the episode with Barry and Eli Little. So let's compare costs and benefits here. So 
Okay, so in 2017, that was the hail year. We had spent an awful lot of money growing a corn crop that was zeroed out, but because at that time we were carrying full coverage crop insurance and full coverage hail insurance, we actually made a profit on hailed out corn. But rather than be satisfied with that, um, and plus we need, we always need more cow feed. And this was an opportunity to get some pretty cheap cow feed. So my brother's side of the fence though, he, uh, he doesn't own any cows anymore. And, and he thought that millet hay might be pretty valuable. As you can see, he got two and a half ton an acre. Um, so we actually netted more dollars per acre than I did that year. That year is. But, but he removed all of the biomass. So let's go to the next year. So in 2018, uh, we both planted corn back where we had tried to grow corn the year before um, because I assumed that all the fertility I put into the previous crop was still there. Uh, we did not strip till my field. We just no-tilled corn into it, came back with 30 gallons of 28% when it was about knee high. And that was all the inputs that I put into that field. And my brother had to put on a full rate of fertilizer because he had removed all of the fertility from the year before with his millet crop. And he did have a higher yield than I did, but because of the extra $120 cost, over the two year period, I had a little bit better profit. Plus a lot of soil health. I just, I think we should point out that uh, that middle field, that 187 bushel an acre uh, was the best yield that field has ever seen. I think the previous high for that field was 152 bushels an acre. So it was a, it was a great year for corn, but a great year to, to save on it as well. So, so in, in 2019, we had a, you know, a wet spring, um, Commodity prices weren't there, obviously. Uh, so there, was, there wasn't a lot of incentive to get the bottom ground planted. Uh, so we, we had a lot of prevent plant and we knew exactly what we were gonna do with it. We were gonna plant it to cover crops. So here is an example of, of, of a cover crop uh, in, on, on prevent plant. So we, we started on the south end with cattle. Uh, there, there, that dot is where our water tank in that pasture was. So, um, and we worked our way north. Um, we were taking off probably 10,000 pounds an acre to start with until the cows decided to um, ruin our plants. But uh, as on the uh, north and south side of that, it, we, we did plant it soybeans. So uh, we're gonna compare that. But here is uh, what we did with that field. Um, that sorghum sedan grass grew up and you can see how tall it is there. Um, so if you look closely at the picture, you can see the top leaves of that um, sorghum sedan grass has been frosted. And this is on the ninth day of October, which is an unusually late fall for us. Um, normally, we see a frost between the 15th and 20th of September, and sometimes much earlier. 
But lately we've been getting extremely late falls, which allows us to get that kind of growth out of a cover crop. So, you know, we, we have all these species um, of cover crop, but it was a, I believe it was called the early grazer mix from Mustang seed. Um, in, in those years, we've, we've been buying mixes. And uh, as we've learned through these mixes, uh, we can make our own now um, and, and save a little money. So this table is a comparison between the soybean crop that was our first intention on the whole field and what the grazed cover crops turned out. Um, in both examples, the land is at 200. Seed for soybeans was 35 for non-GMO, 35 for the chemicals. Um, equipment charges, 70, insurance, 25. The field went 55, I got $11 for non-GMO beans and I had a profit of $240 an acre. Now, the other side is the cover crop, which um, could have been left fallow, but the reason for this table is to just compare what would happen if you took cropland out of production, planted a full season cover crop because you need the feed for your cattle. Um, you can see that if we had been able to get the full 10,000 pounds an acre that was out there, we would have made a, an extra $160 an acre. As it was, we ended up averaging about 6,000 pounds an acre. So the cover crop matched up to the soybean crop. Oh, just uh, comparing the, the grazing cover crops to just leaving it um, fallow. Yeah, so if you got a, if you got a prevent plant field and uh, you own livestock, it, it's a, a really simple decision to go out there and plant that as soon as you can, as soon as it's fit um, for, a, for a cost of an additional $75, we got $240 out of it. So it's... Uh, and that's using you know, our, our custom grazing rate. So that would be assuming that all of, all of the cattle were custom. Um, when you own cattle, you're looking at a lot of savings. Um, Got any numbers on that? <laughs> well, if we're gonna, if we get to the end of the year and we don't have enough uh, feed to get through the winter and we have to start buying feed, uh, it's gonna cost two dollars to two fifty a day per cow to feed them purchased feeds. So if you can grow something fairly cheap and allow your cattle to graze it, uh, you can save a lot of money on your cow herd. And this is what you get out of fallow. <laughs> so uh, again, with with grazing prevent plant, uh, you know, we're we're trying to work towards not having that prevent plant anymore. So how do you do that? You you build you build up soil structure. If you want to do that quickly, you add you add uh, cattle to your cover crops. So since 2019, um, this is where we were at um we we no-till everything except we we do strip till uh our corn um we don't apply fungicides or insecticides except we, we are we are searching for a seed corn supplier that does not put a seed treatment on their corn yes. we don't believe we need it 
Uh, we haven't used starter fertilizer in five years. And, and, uh, and all of our nitrogen is split, split applied. Most of it is applied after the crop is up and growing. Yes. Um, our, our goal is, is cattle on, on every acre at least every two years. Um, we want to look at um, cutting down on herbicide and usage and, and the cost. Um, just question what the agronomist tells you. So um, we hire an agronomist and we don't listen to him very well. Um, he's going to tell us to go out uh, right after we plant or before we plant and apply a pre-emergence herbicide to corn. Um, we have found that we can wait until the corn is six to eight inches tall before we spray anything because we don't have any weeds coming up because we don't plant them with tillage. So we've been doing a lot more winter wheat because you know we, when we started off with, with cover crops in, in, in 2009 through, through those years, uh, you know, we can't, we couldn't get much growth out of uh, planting after spring wheat, especially when we were removing uh, the straw. Um, so while, while, by planting winter wheat, um, the difference between winter wheat and spring wheat, as far as their yield and, and price, um, there isn't much difference. But when you can buy yourself two to three weeks of extra growth, uh, that can make a big difference. Um, and We'll show that from our from 2021. Um, we've been doing some planting oats with clover, uh, either to combine and then plant another cover crop into, or or for haying or grazing. Uh, and we've also implemented uh, interseeding corn, and we'll get into that. So, so in 2021, uh, we think we we did a good job of grazing cover crops. Uh, so here is uh, our, our plan or what we did on this 90 acres of um, irrigated winter wheat. Uh, so that sand pit is from, from the year before, or those from 14 and 16. Um, so that was their water source. And then they would come in um, to that middle part there. And uh, every day, through October, I would move them to the next two and a half to three acres. And we, figured, we, we, we learned that the fence needed to be on. Uh, we had insulated ends on it on the uh, temporary fence and I'd set up for two or three days and usually it only took me about half an hour a day. So while we are combining soybeans and corn, um, we're, we're grazing cover crops efficiently. Um, and I thought this was cool in our SMS program. Uh, they updated the maps and this is the first day of grazing. Um, we had the cover crop windrowed because it was, um, it was sorghum sedan grass and it froze. So we didn't want to lose all the quality of that sorghum sedan grass. So we, we had it all windrowed. If you counted all the little dots on that picture, there is about 500 head of cattle grazing there together. So um, this is the mix that we came up with. Uh, oats, millet, cowpeas, sun hemp, turnips, radishes, flax, sunflowers, buckwheat, crimson clover, African cabbage, sorghum sand grass, soybeans, and of course the volunteer winter wheat out there. When and we say we mix our own cover crops, um, we, we pick out the, 
the species we want. And we have a, a local cover crop blender, BNL Ag out of Clear Lake, South Dakota. And uh, we tell him what we want and he figures out uh, how to, uh, what rates of each thing to put in. And, and uh, he saved us at least 30 to 40% on our cover crop costs. Well, I, I think we're probably spending about the same that we did you know, the years before, but we're adding all these species and, and by adding these species, we're cycling nutrients more, uh, we're, we're di you know, adding diversity and, and that's really helped. Well, let's uh, want to get into this. Sure. So, so the, the field we're talking about that I had planted winter wheat on in the fall of 2020 is across the road from my cousin's pivot, which he planted the soybeans in the spring of 2021. And when the corn market started looking like it was taken off in, the, in May, he stopped at our house and he said, you really ought to go out there and spray Roundup on that winter wheat plant to corn because you're giving up an awful lot of money by sticking to your program. So that made me think, I better, I better see if he's right. So if we had planted corn on that field, these, this is what our costs would have been, about $600 an acre. And by planting winter wheat and cover crops, our costs were about $150 an acre less. So then, yeah. But on the revenue side, 85 bushel an acre winter wheat at $7 is shy of $600 an acre. But we measured 4,200 pounds an acre of uh, dry matter consumed by our, our cow herd, which adds almost $170 an acre. So anyway, our, our net from the winter wheat was $306 an acre. And if we had planted it to corn, we would have needed over 180 bushel an acre because $5 was the harvest price. So maybe we did leave a little money on the table as far as maximizing dollars, but the things that you can't really measure is that next year when we do plant corn, we won't have to buy a trait corn and we'll be able to use less fertilizer because of the amount that the cattle put back into the soil. Uh, there's no need for micronutrients when cattle cycle it. Uh, we, we won't need as much irrigation water. And soil health analysis is something I stuck on this page because I was involved in a South Dakota State University study for soil health. And every year they came and took a soil sample and sent it to Cornell for a complete soil health analysis. And the field that we're dealing with here has gone from a score of 75 to a score of 85 on a scale of 100 over the last five years. So we're going in the right direction. Uh, so in 2018, uh, we started looking at interseeding cover crops into corn. Um, this is something we made out of a old rotary hoe and uh, a gandy box that had been used in, in uh, inoculating BT, non-BT corn. The idea came from a man named Jerry Ackerman who sells cover crops somewhere in southern Minnesota. There's a welding shop down there that makes these and sells them. So um, 
we started in 18. Uh, we had an elevator spread urea with the cover crop and we didn't have the interseeder yet and it didn't really work. The only place we saw cover crop growth was uh, where the guy turned his spreader around. So um, from 20, in 2019 and 2020, uh, we, we'd had them spread it again, but we, we used the rotary hoe to work it in. In 2021, we added the gandy box. So we were able to um, just put down our, our cover crop seed uh, and it runs us about $12 an acre. Uh, but impor more importantly, for when we added that, we weren't using urea anymore. Uh, we like to side dress 28% and thank goodness, we did that this in 2021 because there was absolutely no moisture to uh, for the urea in in June um, that would probably have just left. So, so this is what our our uh, interseeder looks like now. Uh, those hoses blow it in front of the uh, rotary hoe tines, and I go about six and a half miles an hour. The ground cover is almost 100 percent. And this is, these are old rotary hoe blades that are spinning there and they're not really doing any tillage. All they're doing is throwing a little bit of dust up in the air and covering the seed. So why are we doing this? Why are we interseeding cover crops in the corn? So um, it can add up to 500 pounds an acre of forage, which by itself is a $20 an acre value, which covers the cost of seeding and, and the, uh, and the seed. So what, what else do we have here? Polycultures uh, are proven to be more drought tolerant than a monoculture. Um, and we want, and we can provide diversity to a corn crop. Uh, corn is a warm season grass. Uh, so we're adding a cool season grass, a brassica, and a cool season legume. Uh, we're keeping a living root, uh, which is, which is a, a uh, principle of soil health. Uh, and we're building organic matter uh, where, where we had hilltops that would typically uh, dry out in a, in a drought year. Um, we had, you know, the, the corn put out an ear, but we had this mat of, of, uh, of cover crop underneath that you, you're not going to see. You know, typically we'd see this just gravel sand on top of these hills. So, so the, the most common question we get when people hear that we are interceding into corn is, aren't you afraid that that cover crop is gonna use up all the moisture and fertility in your soil? And the answer is not at all, because the cover crop in 30 inch row corn does not grow very much, but it does um, grow enough that it begins to feed the microbes in the soil and one of the speakers, I can't think of the name now, um, that we have listened to in the past said that a, a several inch tall uh, polyculture will release more root exudates than a seven foot tall corn crop will. So that little bit of fuzz growing on the ground in our cornfield is doing more for our microbes than the corn crop can do. That was Dr. Christine Jones. Okay. Uh, so over the years, uh, when you when you do a lot of exper experiments, uh, sometimes you lose. 
usually you learn. So uh, this has been an issue for the last couple of years. Um, compaction in, in spring grazing. I, I know that that's, that's something that scares a lot of people when they start hearing about cattle on their land. Um, so we, we know now that we got to pull the cows off the cropland before thaw. And, and we have a plan for, for this spring and, and we hope to implement it. Um, something else we've had issue with is, is, um, you know, when the snow flies, the forage is gone. So, uh, that's, you know, we, we started doing the winter wheat and, and that adds a lot of tonnage. Um, and then we do the, the wind rowing and, and then we'll, we'll bail up. Um, we were fortunate. We, we bailed up about a 90 acre cover crop field and got 130 bales and we just left them there and the cows are going to graze them here the next week. And so we, we knew they could get to all of that. And, and it's, yeah, this goes along with that whole, the holistic management, just, you got to plan way ahead for these things. Another concern was the, was for our cattle was uh, adequate nutrition. Um, and, and that's why, you, uh, so we, we've been using this uh, mix 30. Uh, get into that. Uh, mix 30 tastes like molasses with an awful lot of salt in it. Uh, it's a high fat mix. We put it out in, in lick tubs. Um, what we've discovered is when, when our cattle are getting pretty good nutrition from the cover crop and corn stalks, they don't eat it, but it's our indication of when we need to move to the next field is when they start eating up all of the mix 30. Yeah, and, and being able to diversify the cover crop mix, you know, with being able to add species with that, you know, extra time for growing after winter wheat, uh, that, that helps with nutrition. You know, they don't want the same thing every day and adding, uh, that, that ryegrass and, and turnips and radishes and, and crimson clover to the corn stalks. Um, all that together is, is a total mixed ration for them. Uh, so you'll, we'll see them go out in a cornfield and, and just not leave, even if they have uh, a cover crop field to go to, because they, they have everything in there that they need. So, um, this... Chem chemical carryover is another thing people ask about. How, how can you spray your corn and then plant, interseed a cover crop into it? And I think it has to do with the... Uh, the health of the microbes in our soil, we normally spray our corn about June 10th, and we normally interseed cover crop 10 to 15 days after that. And the cover crop isn't gonna germinate for a little while, but in a matter of 20 days, um, any of the residual herbicides that we have applied are evidently broken down enough that they don't pre, uh, stop our cover crop from germinating. We did have a little issue uh, with that that hail, hailed out corn um, using, was it stinger? Yes. Yes, you can't use stinger if you want to plant cover crops. Uh, and also after wheat, we usually used uh, 2,4-D, but 
we we've been using um, Liberty for our burn down on wheat because we know there's there's absolutely no carryover with Liberty. The so. problem with 2,4-D is if you get a lucky rain right after you spray it, it'll go down in the root zone and for keep your uh, cover crop from germinating. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of uh, people have questions about water supply. Uh, that that can be an issue. Um, I, I pointed out the uh, the couple of places we we have water. You know, not everybody's going to have a spring-fed dam. I we get that, but um, so this this I think in January we had a we had to put in a rural water hookup. Um, there's there's you know you can put wells in. Um, a lot of those things have uh, cost sharing. Just talk to your local FSA, NRCS, even um, different people like uh, Game Fishing Parks, uh, Pheasants Forever, uh, Ducks Unlimited. Um, you know they they know uh, those those uh, entities know that that getting cows out on on land is is important so just just talk to someone um along with fencing um you know we a lot of times we can talk to a neighbor and and say hey can we can we use an outlet you know it'll keep the cattle out of your yard usually they they oblige uh otherwise we we invest in solar fencers um and then you just kind of uh, debate whether you need temporary fence or you need permanent fence and uh, we can keep ca our cattle in with a single wire uh, around them and as long as it's, as it's hot and, and and what's the minimum joules you want in the fence i i like to keep seven to eight joules they say three but i don't believe it. and and then you know you gotta you gotta work with customers um this custom cattle, you gotta explain to them what your goals are, what your system is. Um, we can't take on cattle that are babied, that spend their life in a feedlot getting fed 40 pounds of corn. Um, we also can't take on cattle that spent their life doing that and now they're losing their teeth. Um, we've had cows that have hardly any teeth but they've spent their whole life foraging. And, and um, I know we had some cows that were 16 years old that were doing just fine, but they have to, they have, to have grown up in the system. Because we've had cows that were five years old that just weren't gonna make it with us. So it's, it's, it's not the breed, it's, it's just how the cows been raised. Big thanks to Barry and Eli Little for today's discussion. The full transcript and video of the episode will be available at CoverCropStrategies.com slash podcasts. Many thanks to our sponsor, GoSeed, for helping to make this Cover Crop podcast series possible. From all of us here at Cover Crop Strategies, I'm McCain Vogel. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.